0: monster you don't belong in this world it was not by my hand that I'm once again given flesh I was called here by humans who wish to pay me tribute tribute you steal men's souls and make them your slaves perhaps the same could be said of all religions your words are as empty as your soul Mankind ill needs a savior such as you. What is a man? A miserable little pile of secrets. But enough talk. How about you?
1: And you're sleeping too like a normal 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 boy
2: well i mean you say that but then last night i was up until six o'clock in the morning so it's mm. just you know it never it never lasts long
1: making mistakes
2: yeah big ones um and the thing <laughs> is, is like i've cut down on like energy drinks and like i don't drink coffee all day and shit like that and you know i'm really trying to dial it all back in but then here i am last night i watched like a, almost a full season of that 70s show after i decided i was going to bed like i laid down in the bed and Heather had to have the TV on, you know, because it's, it's a thing. So uh, that seventy shows on. She goes to sleep. I'm just sitting there watching it, just watching, just watching. The next thing I know, I'm like googling, like I'm reading Wikipedia articles about season five of fucking that seventy show, which, by the way, is fascinating. Uh, that ended. I got done. I tried to turn it off. Tried to go total blankness. Couldn't get to sleep. It took me forever. Couldn't get to sleep. Couldn't get to sleep. Got up, went pee, got a glass of milk, laid down again. Couldn't get to sleep. Couldn't get to sleep. You know what I did? Watched the fucking Warcraft movie starting at 5 a.m. this morning or 4:30 a.m. or some shit like that.
1: That's what you're telling me as a cheer a vampire.
2: Yes. I am the I yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm uh you know, I'm 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 gothy enough for that. Goth dad. Hey
1: everyone, uh you're listening to Geek Squatch, the podcast all about 80s and 90s nerd nostalgia. My name is Caleb McAllister, and I'm joined by my co host Alex Hirsch and the soulless one himself, Remy Ransom. And we're going to talk about knives and stopwatches and Bibles and crosses as we go into one of the best video games of all time, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. As always, if you've got something to say about the show, you should call and leave us a voice message at 540-692-9165. Let us know what you think of uh, Castlevania and um maybe give us some corrections or or memories because it's a it's a great game i don't know i already said but it's like the best game uh so how's it going alex
2: yeah you know it's great um just very uh very excited to talk about these good good goth boys
1: um yeah
2: yeah there's something about this um this rebirth of my appreciation of being being the resident goth dad uh where Castlevania coming along when it did is 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 working out I'm glad to talk about it now I'm deep into it I've been reading a lot of Vampire the Requiem user manual (laughs) yeah it's a lot it's a lot Remy's face does not play on, on on audio but let me tell you he just gave me a gave me a look um yeah man there's a lot going on and uh I'm here for
3: it
1: cool how about you Remy how you doing
3: uh, you know, willing to uh, venture your brouhaha, uh, maybe with some sedites, and we'll talk more about Vampire the Masquerade. No, I'm just kidding. Greetings from the original Upside Down, bitches.
1: Yeah, that's actually an, inter- that's an interesting point. Yeah, it is the original Upside Down is in, in this game. Um, so, maybe you don't know what Castlevania Symphony of the Night is. Um, we did a whole episode on Castlevania as a series way back, and I think in like the 40s or 50s. So check that out if you want an overall history of the first game and and the sequels and stuff. But we didn't talk about this game in particular because of its importance. So it's a platform action-adventure role-playing game developed and published by Konami in 1997 for the PlayStation 1. Uh, The game follows Alucard, half-vampire, half-human son of Dracula and his human wife who wakes from his ancient slumber after the events of Castlevania Rondo of Blood, also known as Dracula X, to find uh, that Dracula's castle's back. It's only been four years since the events of Rondo of Blood, um, but for Alucard, it's been 300 years. And so he sets out to find and destroy his father, Count Dracula. Um, The game was directed and produced by Toru Hag. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm bad at these Japanese names. Hajihara um, with Koji Igarashi <laughs> acting. Is it still wrong? It's still wrong. Why is it?
2: It's Hagihara, Kajihara.
1: man. Oh, okay.
2: Japanese, very phonetic. That's what you have to remember is it's very phonetic. There's not a lot in the way of, like, letters that will say other letter, other other sounds.
1: I'm just a guilo, you know? Um, you gaijin dog. Yeah. Uh, you know, so Koji Igarashi um, was acting as assistant director, um, and he basically has gone on to be considered the champion of the franchise, uh, including a Kickstarter um, campaign that he has going on, or had going on, to create a spiritual successor it's not technically a Castlevania game, because Konami still owns the franchise but, um, but I played it in 2015 it was very, very similar um, and I'm pretty excited for it I'm not going to I didn't back it or anything, but uh, I will pick it up if I hear good reviews and I recommend that you do too. Um, and you know, the, the one thing that's really important about this game is it's half of the portmanteau that describes an entire genre of video games. And that is the Metroidvania super Metroid being the other half, um, obviously, and it's a well-deserved title. Um, so I want to talk about, first I'd like to talk about your guys' experience with this game, and then we'll talk about what makes it so great, and it'll be a kind of a round table discussion. I've got notes in here on, on my reasons why it's so good, and we'll hit on like the major topics, but um, Alex, what's your experience with Castlevania Symphony of the Night? Uh, Yeah, cool.
2: So I played Symphony of the Night for the first time when I was probably, I don't know, 15, or so, um, I had a buddy shout out Tomro, who, like it was, like, he championed this game, I mean, just was forever talking about it, and this was around the time when I bought, uh, Aria of Sorrow um, and I don't know, I feel like I was late getting that game too, probably, but only by a year or two, uh, but anyway, so I'm playing that, and, you know, things are going well or whatever, and he's like, oh shit, Castlevania, my dude, let me tell you um, and he talked about this game for a long time, before I finally ended up picking it up and playing it, and uh wow yeah it's um this would have been by the way to set that to set that like in a time frame for people who don't know me or haven't by now listened to enough episodes to figure out my age that would have been like 2004 so like pretty fucking late getting to this game um but no that said like it when i played it at that time 2004 being the heyday of the original xbox of the playstation 2 the latter years of the gamecube um you know, moving on to the Wii and stuff like that, we're just around the corner from that next generation. Like this game held up so very well, so very well. Um, and if you want to ask, you know, my my favorite part of it, I think the thing the thing that still keeps me coming back, it's the utterly ridiculous sprite work. I think that's that. I think that's why I'm still able to come back and, and mess with that game in a way that. A lot of games that I enjoyed when I was younger, I, I can't go back to them as easily. I think I have this romantic sort of rose-tinted idea of them, but it's hard to go back and play them because either the gameplay is dated or you know X, Y, Z. Um, this one, the gameplay holds up pretty well. Um, you know, amazing, and the sprite work is—I mean, I might say that it's it's some of the best ever done.
1: I would highly agree. Um, you can still play this game in 2018, and be impressed put
2: know, it to you this, this way game. put it to you this way if this game came out um if konami put out this game if it had never existed before and they put or n- and nothing like it had been around if this game came out um you know even with the metroidvania genre sort of existing as it does today if a triple a publisher put this game out today it would sell like hotcakes i i, I truly believe that
1: I, I agree what about you remy what, what's your experience and, and do you appreciate the uh the aesthetics of this game
3: there's nothing bad with the aesthetics of this game whatsoever i mean paired with music you got yourself pretty much the best game that's ever been made and like i mean i'm i I predominantly play a lot of jrpgs or at least i did in my past and the rpg element of this one is what really caught me so i had a friend who let me borrow it and he's like you need to play this and like i think i was unemployed at
1: the time Uh, i want to say early 2000s yes it came out in 97, but I think a lot of people didn't get to it till yeah, early 2000s. That's yeah. the same as me.
3: So it was like, I think, 2002, 2003. I was in college, and I had gotten to play this game. And, you know, there's just so much to it where I was just like, all right, yeah, I I will play this every day. And I actually beat it uh, generally once a year. I go back and play that and uh, another vampire uh, game, Soul Reaver 2. My man. Yeah.
1: You know, I only played the first Soul Reaver game, um, but I did enjoy it. And um, why isn't, you know, with all the reboots and stuff, I would have thought that would have come back as well. Well,
3: uh,
2: (laughs) yeah, there's a whole thing
1: about
3: that. There's a whole thing about that. There was another game in production, but Eidos gave it the axe during the Square Enix takeover.
2: Ah, gotcha. Yep. Like so many good things, it's just uh, lost in IP conflict.
3: The writing was really smart. That's why I was really drawn to that series.
1: So let's uh, let's talk about, like... I think the, the good place to start with this game is to talk about the story and the voice acting. Because it's kind of what you are brought into right away. The opening of this game takes place at the end of Dracula X. So you're literally playing the last three minutes of that game. And you don't have to play that game to understand what's going on. Basically, it's one of the Belmonts... Um, which is the family of vampire hunters, um, goes to defeat Dracula. Hmm? It was Richter. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is Richter. Yeah, exactly. Richter Belmont. Um, And you just basically walk into the room and you can take him on. And you get a couple options for sub-weapons. There's a couple hidden secrets in that first 30 seconds. Um, But the... I mean, the, the voice acting is a little stilted. Uh, uh, Jamie, <laughs> she's listening to me play. She's like, "Why is everybody like in a room with an echo? Um, like they, they couldn't turn the reverb off." But I was like, "Yeah, yeah." It's- it was it was 1997, you see. Yeah, it's kind of a bad quality, but but the writing, the delivery is not super great on some of the voice, voice actors as well. But the the story is so good, you know. It just starts off with this great confrontation between uh you know one of these legendary vampire hunters richard belmont and dracula and they have this whole conversation which has become kind of a meme um alex, alex sent me one uh, of the uh, the orange county chopper guys you know arguing and it was the replay of this scene you know what is a man uh and and all that and it's so good it just, it just fit perfectly into that into that sequence
2: you know one thing i would like to say though is when i got a hold of this game at the time, even, you know, being a few years late getting a hold of it, I don't remember hearing that and being like, wow, that's a lot of cheesy bullshit. I liked the, I mean, I don't know, I was really, you know, into some goth shit, you know what I mean? It was vampires and mm-hmm. stuff, and it seemed pretty cool to me. And when, you know, the idea of, like, what like what is a man is a fun question for a 14-year-old to try to ponder, you know what I mean? Right. Um, I don't know, you know, yeah, sure, looking back on it, it seemed stilted and, you know, a little dry, but, I mean, I feel like at the time it was... Probably not just on par, it was probably pretty fucking good. When you think about, for example, another Konami title, when you think about Metal Gear Solid and the voice acting in that game, Jesus Christ, some of it's really, really good, and some of it is, it seems like it was recorded, like, at a different, like, at some guy's house, you know what I mean? It's a a box. Like, what are you... (laughs) Okay, cool, just a box.
3: Hey, it's just a box.
2: (laughs) 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 <laughs> Ruby's very good at that, actually.
1: It is pretty good. Um, the thing about it for me that I love in this opening is is a couple things. One, there's a lot of like minor sprite work going on with Dracula sitting on the throne, where he and he throws his wine glass. You know, at first, he's got a full. Oh wine my glass. god! You, you you see him take a drink, and then he's got a half a wine glass, and then you see him take another drink, and then he throws the wine glass on the ground, and it makes the tink sound from when you throw the holy water, right? And and Jamie's never watched me play this game. She, well, she has, but she's never watched the beginning. And I'm like, hey, you need to watch just the beginning of this. The First, just humor me. I know you don't like video games. Like, just this first three minutes. And that happens. And she's just like, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, it is. It's like this really kind of cinematic moment in this game that's 20 years old. Right. You know?
2: There was a lot of care that was taken with this particular title. Um, which is not... Look, you know, if you you go in and you haven't played any other Castlevania games ever, and you go in and you start with Symphony Symphony of the Night, first of all, that's probably a good place to go, really. Uh, Secondly, it's going to kind of ruin you on literally everything that came before it for certain, and a lot of them that came afterwards as well, because, like, there was just a weird amount of care taken by Koji Igarashi uh, in... You know, and and I give him, I give him like a lot of fans. I give him sort of the reins on this thing. You know what I mean? He was the one who kind of championed this this whole situation. Um, I don't know. He just he took a lot of care in that, and so much of this game is polished to to a Nintendo level. You know what I mean?
1: That's interesting. I like that analogy. It is a Nintendo level of care, like like little tiny details. But then there are other things in the gameplay which I want to bring up um, another point that do seem kind of like loose-ended and and just not finished but there's just so many other little details that kind of make up for it that um that i don't care about it hello is a character he's super cool he's just a he is effeminate, feminine, which is a characteristic of vampires, right? They're all generally, like, kind of androgynous um, males, but they don't really have a gender kind of thing going on. But he's a strong personality. Like, he, he's coming in to take care of business, you know? And, and, and let's wrap up this beginning scene real quick because it's so cool. After you defeat Dracula as a Belmont, the screen tears away as if it was a screenshot or, like, a photo and then burns up. And that was a a really cool effect in 1997, even in 2002-ish, which is when I played this game, much like you guys, like, that effect is like, whoa, like, first of all, we started at the end of this other game, what is this thing, and now it's turned into a picture and burned up? What is this game? And then there's the exposition, and they roll a whole bunch of text, which is kind of lame, but... Well, in Japan, they had, that was voiced. Oh, was it? Yeah, in
2: Japan it was voiced over here uh, for the for the uh, Western release that would be the PAL and, and the North America. It's not. It's just scrolling text. And it's also, by the way, a lot of very slowly scrolling text.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a minute and you can't bypass it no matter what. Yeah, it I, read sure it, I read it to my
2: kids very dramatically the other day. That had to be fun. It was good. <laughs> I, had, I had a great time.
1: And then the other kind of thing that's interesting about it is you start out super powerful, right? I mean, you, you start walking into the castle. Um, first of all, you have a sword and shield, which is very not Castlevania. You know, normally you have a whip. Um, you still have the heart system for sub weapons, but you just walk through and you're like one-shotting everything. These giant wolves, which would be like a boss fight in any other Castlevania game. You're just one-shotting them like like a boss,
2: yeah my my kids watched me play it because um so i downloaded the xbox live arcade version just to see how it played and uh so they were kind of they had just gotten home from school and they were watching me sort of they caught me and checking this thing out you know uh because by the way that's a Fortnite machine now that they're xbox one <laughs>
0: yeah
2: um so they caught me checking this thing out and i'm like oh god you know what i'm actually really glad you're here so i showed them the opening sequence and the scrolling text and i read it to them and all this good stuff and then i'm running through his alucard and like you said just Rolling through people, you know what I mean. Single yeah. shot cutting wolves down, bam, done. Doing all kinds of sick magic and stuff. It was really great. Uh, but my kids made the comment like, "This game looks really easy," and I was like, oh, ho,
1: ho,
0: ho. "Wait my, a sec,
2: my sweet summer child, <laughs> you have no <laughs> idea. Let me go speak with Death and show you just how easy this game is."
1: Yeah, and that's like, that's like the next biggest coolest part of this game, and and then there's a huge giant drought of of like story, which is fine because at that point you've gotten a lot um, where. You know, you're kicking ass, taking names. And all of a sudden, you know, you go into this one room and death, the literal death, shows up and is like, hey, dude, uh, what you doing here? And Alucard's like, I'm here to kill my father. And he's like, yeah, I can't let you do that. Um, I'm going to take all your shit. And that's what he does. And then he just leaves. And so now you start from scratch. And now you are a weak boy. You you, you only have a fist to punch. And it takes a couple two or three hits with your with your fist to kill the first enemy you come across and immediately drops a sword which is you know it's not anywhere near the power of your previous sword but you get something and that's where the game goes off and eventually like really quickly after you get a shield and start getting some weapons and the game just builds off of that so it's really really cool to have this like power fantasy in the beginning and then literally you're chopped off at the knees and you start all over it's a hero's tale right but
2: let's talk about what that does i mean and why that's so important because when you introduce someone with um you know, to the abilities that they will get later in the game it's a really really neat thing because at the time you got to consider not everyone was watching every single you know ign preview and everything like that i mean the, the internet's in its infancy and all that so um the other things you had were schoolyard tales you know water cooler tales so to speak. Um, and the intro to the game itself that you're playing. So seeing where you can possibly get to later, and I would argue you get more powerful, like far more powerful than you are in that intro scene later because oh, you know, yes, you know. Definitely. But um, seeing that you can, like, you can be really good is kind of a driving force. You also level up. You kill like three enemies and you level up one time, and it's immediately it's like Remy said, it, it puts you in that like, oh shit, I'm gonna be getting stronger and stronger this whole time, kind of are you mindset. You
1: these these numbers go up. And I, the numbers go up. <laughs> <laughs> what what about what about you Remy? what about the gameplay and like the design of this game that really like attracts you to it
3: uh, I've been a fan of Metroid games since the original Metroid uh, I, I talk about it pretty lovingly on uh, a couple of different podcasts I've been on in the past but the thing that I enjoyed about this the most was that I could upgrade my weapons. Like, if I killed enough people or purchased something from a shop and each weapon had its own reach and mm-hmm. everything else and perks and capes and all this other crap. And, you know, at one point you just start going around creating a power build of all the crap you've collected in the game. And it it was really, really fantastic for a Castlevania game to go that route, you know. It was just like, all right, well, Cool. You know, it kind of gave me feelings of Simon's Quest. If that makes any sense,
1: yeah, yeah. There's definitely some some common themes. Yeah, Uh,
3: because I love Simon's Quest. That's like my absolute favorite Castlevania game next to this one.
2: You know, what kind of blows my mind is that uh, uh, Iga, what the hell's his actual full name? Because I only know him as Iga Um, Igarashi, Koji Igarashi. uh, He was was brought on to make this game because he made a very popular high school dating sim before this. And Konami was just like, what do you want to make? Like, this was very popular, this was very successful, what do you want to do? And he was like, actually, I've been thinking a lot about that fucking action, like, explorers like, action game that you made about vampires. I want to make one of those. And this was, like, his, this is his foray into that shit.
1: Yeah, and that really has to do with the fact that um, he was disappointed by going into, like, a, like a discount bargain Store and finding like whole bunch of, of cartridges for old Castlevania games in 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 Japan. And he was just like, these games are really good. Why are these in the in the bargain bin? And and you know he realized that it's because they're linear. After you master the patterns, there's nothing more to do. You know, many people just master all the patterns for Castlevania games and then speedrun them. They don't yeah. need them.
2: Yeah. yeah, you get a very small selection of the, of the crowd that would do speedruns, which at the time, by the way, was a thing. Like, this game was made with speedrunning in mind, which I think is absolutely mind-blowing. But, I don't even know... <laughs> I wasn't around for that scene, you know what I mean? I was In 1997. I was 10. What the fuck was speedrunning like at that time? Was it literally, like, sitting around with four or five friends, and then having someone take a picture of your, like, stopwatch next to your screen when you killed Dracula? You know what I mean? Like, what...
1: Uh, I mean, if the, if you're submitting it to somewhere like Twin Galaxies or whatever, like that would have to be like caught on VHS. So you'd have sure, to
0: have, like, sure,
2: gamecorder. sure. But that's what I'm saying is like it's just. I don't know, man. It's weird. This game was made with that in mind, considering that's kind of all you can do with Castlevania. Once you beat it, you do it once and it's like, well, fuck,
1: I kind of never want to do
2: that again, you know?
1: (laughs) But this game's a little different because of the amount of exploration and things that you can do. Like I doing research for this episode, I still found something that I didn't know about this game, which is kind of crazy. And, and, and that is, I didn't know that the Muramasa sword, the Mm. blood sword, it starts out super, super weak. And if you kill enemies that actually spew blood, which there are not that many in this game. A lot of the enemies are like skeletons and undead things. But if you kill enemies that actually have blood in them, it gets more powerful. And it can actually, if you were to like... Uh, there's a couple ways to do it. Um, specifically in the beginning area with the mermen, because they bleed. If you like tape down a turbo controller in the corner and just keep killing them, this thing can have plus 999 attack power, which is the max in the game. It basically one-shot every boss, every enemy in the entire game. From from a relatively um, weak sword that you get right in the beginning. Well, not right in the beginning, but relatively soon.
3: It's pretty cool. Um, I feel like I did know that because I had a friend who was like uber... Historian of Castlevania, uh, who I met at a gaming store talking about uh, Simon's Quest, believe it or not. I don't believe. Huh? I don't believe you. It might be. I mean, he definitely had, like, the black hair and trench coat and everything, so. Uh, like, he was, like, pre rec uh, goth dad before children. All
1: right. Now, now, I, now I believe
3: you. Okay. He's actually the reason why I know what a Bruja and a Venture is, so. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So my type of dude yeah <laughs> maybe watch kindred the embraced once i was like eh, yeah nope. yeah no nope.
1: so the other things that i find interesting is like there's there's not only swords and shields but there's daggers there's fist weapons um the infamous shield rod do you ever you guys ever mess around with that
3: mess around fist weapons I, I don't remember a shield rod
1: so there's a a shield rod it kind of looks like um like a mace or like a like a, a shepherd's crook right but shorter okay and if you push the if you have a shield equipped in the other hand and you push the shield button and the attack button with with the shield rod at the same time it actually creates different effects and like a spirit of the shield will come out and then Mm -hmm. do that effect it is very cool yeah
2: there's one there's one that's uh vlad tepes right vlad tepes Mm -hmm. which is really cool yeah. It's literally the portrait, you know, the portrait of, like, Vlad the Impaler, you know what I mean, the, fam- the famous painted portrait that, like, comes up in gorgeous sprite work above your head when that happens.
1: Yeah, they basically, like, double the size of, of your body, um, and they, they create an effect, um, so it's kind of like a, it's a tactic, you know, it's a different way to play the game, um, which is what Igarashi is all about, you know, it's just, how do we make this game more interesting to players? Um, do you guys ever use the chrysogram? I didn't know. Not really. I mean, I've had it before but never really put a lot of time into it. It's my personal favorite weapon because once you get it, like you don't really need to use any other weapon in the game no matter how powerful it is because it it, it slashes four times in front of you. You can use Mm -hmm. it while you're running and there's no animation for it so you never stop. So basically you can just walk around and just hold down the attack button and just (laughs) obliterate everything in your path. It's so good. It's so much fun. It's just easy mode for this game. Um, Yeah.
2: Also, a lot a lot of weird stuff in Castlevania, but especially, um, you know, in Symphony of the Night, relates to classic literature. Um, Christian Grimm is a, um, a mountain range in Lord of the Rings, uh, in Tolkien's world. Um, you know, and you end up with, uh, what do they call it? They call it evil in Japan. What do they call it? Malachi um, in the Western releases. Cthulhu, basically. Run around. And some versions of the game, it's called Cthulhu in some of the older versions. Um yeah, I don't know, man. It's th- this game has a lot going on. Like, <laughs> it's just so like toe to tip. There is just it's packed with just weird shit that you could really drill down and try to focus into, in a way that you can't with like say like Super Mario, right? You're not gonna until every single game had to have lore. Uh, you know, in the mid to late 2000s, like nobody ever gave a fuck what a Goomba was or what they did. You know what I mean? Or 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 what the Fire Flower actually was and why it worked and what its ecology was or anything like that. Uh, in this game, like these weapons have story behind them, you know what I mean. Uh, it's
1: fascinating. Yeah, I mean, even even like you were saying, like there's my favorite enemies in the game are the um, the the evil versions of the Wizard of Oz characters. That
0: right, you run across right. At some
1: point, there's like an armored uh, lion. There's a Tin Man that's a robot. There's a Scarecrow that's that's like impaled on a on a pole. that jumps around. I don't think there's a Dorothy but uh you don't need them you just need those three it's it's really interesting and, and kind of morbid it was like and this is before the american mcgee alice stuff you know what i mean so nobody right. had really like done that before as as far as i was concerned at like the age of 20 or 21
3: that's kind of neat too because uh like i'm actually learning stuff because i've never looked at a guide for the game i always just tried to get 100 percent. like every time i cleared through um and it's kind of weird talk- hearing you guys talk about it because you both have had completely different experiences with weapons than I did. I usually stuck to fists and swords, you know? It's kind of mind-blowing. Thing is,
2: so many people, like I have watched, other, and I am uh, I am notorious for watching people play a game in a way that differs from me because I am so I won't I don't like neg people you know what I mean like I'm not I'm out to like bother people about it but I watch them and internally I'm like why are you doing that like it's so much better to do it this way and that happens to me every time I've seen people cl- play Symphony of the Night where I'm just like why aren't you what are you doing what are you doing right now why are you why are you using so many spells stop like you don't need why aren't need you missed
1: why aren't you right? missed right? yeah missed all the time just so bat sure through that
2: just, just turn into a bat and fly through that whole thing just, yep. just fly yeah. through the whole thing
1: the poison mist, once you get that boy, I just like walk through people. Like I don't even I don't even care.
3: This game rules. <laughs> that magic?
1: Magic? I know there's magic in this game. There's 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 four spells, um, like four like immediate spells that you get, right? There's the
3: They're not dissimilar from doing Sabin's Bum Rush from Final Fantasy VI, too. Yeah. <laughs>
1: There's there's dark metamorphosis which allows you to heal um, health points by shedding your opponent's blood, which la- so it lasts for a certain amount of time. There's summon spirits to attack enemies. It's just one spirit. Um, you can teleport and do a, a fireball attack. Uh, and then there's uh, a soul steal, which which steals which it sends out or it steals energy from your all your opponents on screen. Which is my favorite one to do. It's also the most complicated one to do um, on the controller itself. And what's really cool about these, I don't know if you guys know this, if you know the input sequence, you can do these right away. Yep. You don't have to buy the scrolls from the master librarian, which is also a really great little story interlude when you meet him and he's like, I can't help you because the master will be mad at me. And you're just like, I'm just going to pay you a lot of money. And he's like, okay. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't know what he does with that money. He's not leaving the castle.
3: He trades it off for, uh, you know, ghoulish hookers, perhaps.
2: Hell yeah. Can we Okay, I got two questions. Or oh, okay, two state. One's a statement, one's a question. All right. <laughs> oh, first boy. one First one very easy. Um I was watching a video and I don't remember who it was and I wish I had written it down so that I could credit them, but it was a couple days ago. Um and someone pointed out that like as you're running um through the game, you will encounter uh you know either artworks sp- you know sprite work uh decorations or whatever where you'll see like for instance a portion where you're running along um like sort of a, a a parapet and you see the clock tower in the background right and you can go to that clock tower and it's very that the person who made this video likened it to sort of how dark souls does things where you can see where you might end up later on when you're fighting shit and that is really really neat now my second thing here I think we have to settle this right now i think we have to have this discussion right now okay because you brought up ghoulish hookers right do vampires actually fuck because like on one hand on one hand alucard is the son of dracula so that that leads me to say yes right mm-hmm. um Dracula's also like the fucking vampire, right? He's like the dude. So maybe that's just something he can do. My thing is, there are two schools of argument that I want to put forth, and you guys can chime in here in just a moment. Number one, it's magic. I ain't got to explain shit. It's a vampire. He can do whatever the hell he wants to do, because why would you try to start bringing in medicine and biology into this? The other side of it is, how do you even get a fucking boner if you're a vampire? You know what I mean? There's no blood. No blood, neither. No, they have
1: blood. They nah. Ju- they need- yeah, they got blood. They got blood. They eat the blood, and then they need the more blood. They got blood. You think they got blood? I got. They got blood. I mean, it's it's probably like.
2: Do vampires fuck, or do they just like a thrill of the hunt? That's all I'm saying.
3: I I think, yeah, yep, I think they, they bone fuck.
1: Down. They bow down. Yep. Sure. All right. Okay. I think Alucard probably more than than his daddy because you know he's got that human side to him, so you know he's got needs
2: here's 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 my here's my um sort of sub point right so alucard is a damper. he's half human right so that checks out he
3: probably was is that affected. actually i'm sorry to cut you off was that actually Very a good. term used in the game or did they actually like go to mythology for that or did it become popular after vampire hunter d
1: bingo on that last one right yep. There. okay yep, yep um
2: but the point is uh being half human like he may be effectively immortal, uh, ageless, whatever, he may age to a certain point. Because he's a human mother, that's fine, I get it. When 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 a vampire can two vampires make a baby? And if they can, when the vampire baby comes out, it's effectively immortal, right? No cellular destruction or regeneration. Do it even grow in the womb? When it does, once it's born, is that when it stops growing? Does it stop growing at adolescence? Is it an effective physical prime? What are the what are the rules for this? I need to know. I
1: think, I think because they're technically undead, the female womb is dead in that sense. Do you get my drift? Like, uh, I feel any, you. Yeah, yeah. They're not producing eggs, you know. Right, but, but why would a man be producing sperm? Why would Dracula
2: be making them nuts?
1: Maybe he, maybe it's, maybe <laughs> he's not making dim nuts. Maybe he's like it's like a dust.
2: <laughs> I see a spray.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's, All right. It's. it's, it's Decomposed sperm.
2: Well, I've derailed this show far long enough. I just want—I just—I <laughs> just had to say it somewhere, and this is the only avenue I had to say it in.
3: For that's, that's a visual really on what that would look like, please take your Swiffer duster at home and gently blow on it.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just take a, take a handful of baby power and a can yeah. of dust off and spray
1: it. That's what I was thinking exactly. <laughs> um, so let's get back to talking about like some of the other cool things about this game, and not the vampire weird dick conversation we just had. So, um. You know, there are some really cool items that you get in this game, and a lot of them you may not even find, depending on on your exploration skills or just your knowledge um, of this game. I mean, granted, in 2018, you just look up a a walkthrough and find all of it, but um, back in 1997, even like 2002, we had to go to like text-based walkthroughs um, at best.
2: Yeah, giant 400-page
1: ASCII walkthrough guides, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I always wondered, like, who had the time to put those together, and, like, were they getting paid for that? I mean, I guess if you worked for, like, IGN or OneUp.com, maybe you were, but, um, man. Mm. Well, there are game, facts. game Facts
3: was a thing back then, too.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I could tell you, there are a lot of people who got their start in the games industry by submitting, uh, uh, Game Facts, you know what I mean, and walkthroughs to, uh. IGN and and Game Packs and stuff like that. Like, I distinctly remember hearing several Nintendo Voice Chat podcasts, um, and I forget which IGN staffer it is, but he quite literally got his start in the games industry by writing those walkthroughs.
1: Yeah. Um, So there's things like Familiars, which are, like, little um, spirits that hover around you and do different things. There's the Demon, um, who, like, randomly attacks other opponents and um, opens secret doors, which is the only reason, really, in my opinion, to have him out. You know, he just... He can fly to places that um, you can't reach off-screen, and then like pushes buttons for you to get into secret areas. Um, the the fairy, which if you're if you're bad at this game, you're gonna love the fairy because she uses uh, healing items on you when you get l- on low on health. Uh, I highly recommend keeping her as your. Uh, your option when you face Dracula in the end because you might accidentally screw up and die like I did on several occasions and she'll bring you back to life if you have a a life apple on you so don't don't let her use those life apples until the end that's my pro tip for you right there um the bat which attacks enemies it just looks cool it's not super great in my personal opinion Uh, and then there is The King of Familiars, the Sword Familiar. It is a giant sword that flies around and attacks people. It's super cool. Fuck. Yes.
2: Yes. Why would you not be a gnarly vampire son out to kill his very bad dad? (laughs) Running around, slinging spells, stabbing stuff with a spiritual weapon floating around you, terrorizing these demons as well. Like, the visual that I get in my head which i'm sure he just i'm sure someone's already il- illustrated every one of these on deviantart but the visual that i get in my head was brought to life in this perfect way spoil you know by the way go listen to our castlevania the netflix series special because that was like that series nailed what castlevania is to me it is not campy bullshit it's not what is a man haha what a joke it is brutal it is dark and it is a la carte fucking shit up
1: I cannot wait for them to finish that that series off and see Alucard kick some ass.
3: God, I know it. It's uh it, it's pretty interesting for sure to see them actually doing that anime. So I was, uh, tanks actually watched it with me, and she's uh, not very into anime. So she liked it. Yeah, she did actually, uh, which was it's, pretty surprising. It's good,
2: it's yeah. good accessible anime i mean that's the other thing is like you don't have to be a hardcore castlevania fan or a hardcore anime fan it's it's pretty fucking accessible
0: yeah
1: the other thing to know about the sword familiar um is once you like once you get it i recommend you keep it out and just always use it because once it hits level 50 you can wield it as a weapon and it is potentially you know other than the miramasa which we talked about already uh it can be the most powerful weapon in the game if you get it up to level 99. I think its max is 100. So if you get up to 100, it, it's pretty much the most powerful weapon in the game. Um, and it also has its own spell. It has a Sword Brothers spell, which is kind of hard to pull off. It's a little bit complicated of a, of a D-pad maneuver, but it damages everything on screen. So eh, it can be useful. I, I still prefer Soul Steel, personally, just because I'd rather get life. For my magic than to to do the Sword Brothers spell but hey it's fun to do I, I recommend trying it at least Once Can we
2: talk for a second About the Muramasa because I don't know How many people a lot of people have probably Heard that name you know anyone listening To the show has probably heard it from Castlevania right because I would hope If you're listening to this episode you play this game Um, A lot of people may have heard It in other games as well I mean hell there's a whole a Very good game on the Wii called Muramasa The Demon Blade right what a lot of people, I think, don't realize is that Miramasa, Sango Muramasa was actually a swordsmith in the you know 15th century who is was so good at what he did that they believed, many, 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 many people truly believed, that his swords actually physically hungered for blood and would compel their users to either murder or murder themselves. Can you imagine being so good at making tools that your dewalt drill is like put me in your temple like <laughs> i'm just saying man it's it's fascinating
1: yeah that's why you'll often see a muramasa you know named weapon in in jrpgs or in japanese developed games that have like a fantasy theme to them i'm sure right. there's one in final fantasy right remy at least one uh
3: yeah i feel like the m-u-r-a-s-a-m-e
2: or are you talk, are you talking about the masamune
3: yeah masamune yeah. That's,
2: that was his. He was a. Uh, Muramasa was a student of Masamune.
3: Yeah, Masamune is a weapon that if you equip onto Cyan in Final Fantasy VI and he does that one sword attack maneuver, the one you wait for for, like Quadra Slice or whatever, he just like spins around the screen, slashing everyone, laughing the whole time. It's fantastic.
1: Hell yes. That's a nice little nod right there. Uh, I think also, isn't Hanzo like another. Uh, uh,
3: Hanzo, or, uh, uh, the Hatori Hanzo from Kill Bill? Is what you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, yeah. The Hanzo sword was just, like, a thing from, like, uh, I think Quentin Tarantino said that it was, like, a a gag that he got from a bunch of kung fu movies.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of kung fu movies that reference, like, a Hattori Hanzo type of character.
3: Mm -hmm. It's uh, Sonny Chibi, right?
1: Yes, it is. He
2: was, Hattori Hanzo was actually, he was just a very famous samurai, but he wasn't a
3: swordsmith. Okay. Okay.
1: Um, and then the other thing, you could turn into shapes. We kind of talked about it earlier, but like you could turn into a wolf in this game. And you get eventually you get powers. You can run really fast and damage everything that you run through. Um, you have a bat form, which eventually gets echolocation, which allows you to go into dark areas that you wouldn't um, normally get into. And then the mist form, you can go through gratings, and eventually you can stay in it for longer periods of time and get... Poison damage, so whatever you move through gets damaged by your mist form. Um, this game has RPG stats and equipment, which are. And here's my criticism of this game. It's probably my only criticism. Is that the stats in, in particular don't really feel like they do anything. And no, they so don't pretty, matter. Yeah, they don't matter at all. It's kind of cool to see them go up, and you know, you definitely need to know when you're doing more attack or you have more defense but that's about it
3: yeah i uh i think i was more into like the different cloaks that you get because if i remember right there's one that's like a starry one where when you move like little stars shot out behind you almost
0: Mm -hmm. and then there's
3: one that increased your blood magic use or something like that yep And uh, I I like the little touches like that because those actually did have like a visual effect when you walked and like one of them was like a, a Technicolor inside one. So whenever you move left and right, it would show different colors.
1: Yeah, there was one you could pick the colors of. It was the cloak of many colors. You could choose which you know inside and outside colors for the cape. Um, there's a translucent one, uh, the crystal cloak, yep. which makes you semi-transparent, and that's only available, by the way, um, on the PlayStation version of the game. There was a Saturn version released, um, oh but my because God. The Saturn wasn't capable of, yeah, the Saturn version. Psst. Yeah,
2: go ahead, Caleb. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I mean, the only thing that's that's cool about the Saturn version, um, it doesn't have any transparency. They had to replace the transparency effects with dithering effects, and they are really bad in comparison. Um, the frame rate's a little off. It's pretty poor performance. Um, the only thing that makes it cooler is that you could play as Maria Renard, who we haven't really talked about, but is a, um, a minor character in the game who is kind of a love interest for Alucard. Maria? Uh, yeah, Maria. That's it. <laughs> no, that's
3: what he sounds like when he talks. To her. Yeah, Like oh, yeah, It's just yeah. that really bad like voiceover, Maria.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, but she has you know a small but integral role. She's looking for Richter, um, who's gone missing, and um, she's a, you keep running into her in the castle and keep instead of working together, you know, you're just like, oh hey, how's it going? Like, oh, I'm going over here. Okay, you know, oh, I'm going over here, and then you go your separate ways. But eventually, she helps you. Um, Figure out that Richter is under the control of an of the of another villain, and that's why the castle's back is because this villain Shaft, the Dark Priest, has taken over um, Richter, and you don't want to hurt Richter. So the first time I played this game, I don't know about you two. I didn't know about this whole thing. I just played the game normally. I got as much as I could. And there's a few things that I, re- I realized I couldn't get for some reason. Right. And then I killed Richter because I thought that was the end of the game. Right. And the ending was like, man, I really wish we could have found a way to save Richter. Cause it doesn't seem like he was acting like himself. And I'm like, yeah, that, that is kind of weird. Like killing a Belmont seems really wrong in this universe. Right. I mean, they're kind of like, you they're ended the, the Belmont online. Yeah. Line. yeah. And then I went online because I was like, this can't be right. It just can't be right. And I found out that there's a way to find an orb that's floating around the whole time in the screen. If you kill that orb, it turns out that's what was controlling Richter. It's, It's this dark priest shaft. And now you can go into the real Dracula's castle, which is inverted and sitting directly on top of the main castle. So everything in this game... Has been designed to be able to be played upside down.
2: Which is nuts.
3: Yeah, like that was completely fucking mind blowing when I realized that. I uh I- I'm hoping that for this episode though, you like kind of tie in whenever you say the Dark Priest Shaft, like a little snippet of the shaft theme song. Can you do that? Mm-hmm. Or I can do that. Oh yeah, I man.
0: Can, Who's the cat that
3: you damn right um it's
0: kind
1: of a weird weird name for that guy he doesn't show up in anything else as far as i know for materials before this game
3: yeah i don't uh i always thought of so okay first off yeah totally weird name totally weird that there's a dark priest like, you don't really hear about dark priests in Castlevania very much. Right. Like, it was a lot of the clergy stuff, and especially with, like, the Lament of Innocence crap, like, later on. And I say crap, but it was fine. Um, But, yeah, no, it's kind of weird. Like, uh, they just kind of, like, all of a sudden, yo, there's this... Uh, it, like, you've heard of the Gypsies. Uh, they've been referenced in s- several of the games. And then, like, all of a sudden, there's a dark priest. Like, where did the dark priest order come from? Like, someone... Like, is he a servant of Dracula? Like, what's up here?
2: Yeah, um, I will say, Caleb, before we get any any emails, um, which I doubt would happen because we don't do that. Um, Shaft was in Rondo of Blood, was he?
1: Oh, he was. Mm-hmm. See, I've Caleb. never played Rondo of Blood. I, well, I take that back. I tried playing it. Um. Uh, this week prior to this episode and I just couldn't because the old school style of Castlevania to me is like it's not Castlevania anymore you know yeah
2: yeah 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 um he so if you want to play by the way if you ever wanted to play Rondo of Blood or Symphony of the Night a very good way you could go about it would be to get your hand on a secondhand PSP and get uh Dracula or Castlevania the Dracula X Chronicles it has both games in it um rondo of blood however i i don't know that i'd ever recommend anyone play it but yes
1: shaft was in that game okay
3: it looks like maria was too
1: yeah she's Mm -hmm. young um and she's in that opening sequence uh of this game in fact so if you're fighting dracula and you're losing and you die she's the little girl that comes out okay she gives you her powers yep uh which are animal-based which is also kind of a bummer uh, as to why we can't play her in any of the re-releases, um, you know, like on the PlayStation or, I'm sorry, on the uh, on Xbox and stuff. Because I actually kind of want to play as her. Um, she punches and kicks with like she's got like force behind them, and then all, she has like animal companions, um, which are the, the symbols that come out of her when she gives you her power, and then you become um, invincible. You know, it's also weird about that, that opening sequence. I keep coming back to it because it's so powerful. Is that, um, depending on how quickly and how much life you have when you defeat Dracula, that determines your stats for the beginning of the game for Card. Yep, isn't that crazy? Remy's like, What? Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy
2: yeah it's weird depending on the, the items that you're holding and uh the you know the the health and everything that you defeat dracula at affects basically your base roles for what alucard is when he rolls into that game
1: which is also kind of dumb because those stats are kind of pointless
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Rumi is very
2: and also and also you have no way of knowing that so it's just like a weird that's a weird backdoor ass japanese development konami ass kojima level type bullshit to do to somebody
1: it seems like, you know, there's leveling, there's health increases, you know, you can wear rings, which change, you know, effects and different stuff. And it and there's armor and capes, but, like, for the most part, those things, there's not enough of them to really give you too, too many options. A lot of options for 1997, 2002, in that range of, of video games and their style, that's a lot of options. Um, I'm thinking right now immediately of the spike breaker armor, which is really, really cool. There's spikes in the game. If you're wearing that armor, uh, you can break them up and walk right through them, which is a really cool effect as well. Um, But it seems like half baked. It's the one thing about this game that I just want more of. I want more capes and armor and and different weird things that do different weird stuff. Um, And like this weird stat thing um, uh, in the beginning of the game. I want more of that.
2: Yeah. For sure. I mean, you know, it's it's an underdeveloped portion of the game, but it is the first of the Castlevania series to do this. Um, so, you know, you take it into account. It kind of gets a kind of gets a, a big old pass for me uh, on that on that level. But yeah, I mean, when you play it, especially in modern times, um, knowing that you level up and you know it, it's it's very obvious because it appears over your head. Level up, right? Um, but feeling like there's almost no consequence to that is like it's just a strange thing, you know.
3: And that's pretty cool. But we can all agree that uh, hitting up on one of the coffins and then seeing it like kind of envelop you to save is like the coolest animation of all time, though. Oh
1: right? my god! <laughs> and then not only that, but like, so yeah. So when you Remy's right, like you you go into a room and it's got this like uh, pulsating dodecahedron, right? So it's this polygonal shape and it goes. Dum. Dum, dum. and then you push up and you do this cool like I'm a superhero stance and, and then the coffin envelops you and then it, goes, and then it, it closes on you and it saves Every, the first, I remember the first time it happened I was like
0: what? That, that, that's super cool
2: do you want to know something even crazier that a lot of people I've talked to about this game they don't understand when you walk into those safe rooms the thumping the boom, boom kind of pulsing sound uh, is meant to mimic Alucard's heartbeat. If you are lower on health, it's much faster.
1: Is it really?
3: Yeah, oh, I have never cool. noticed that. Yeah, Neither. it's it's crazy. It's crazy.
1: And then midway through the game, ish, maybe like three quarters of the way through, you actually go into a room with a purple one of those because all the rest of them are red, and that in that one um, instigates a boss battle where you go into a dream and the succubus tries to mim- or try to manipulate. Uh, Alucard's mind by showing him the moment of his mother's death and kind of tells him to hate humans but the problem is is the succubus doesn't know that Alucard was actually at his mother's um, burning she was burned mm-hmm. for, for being Dracula's wife um, and she told him to forgive humanity because they didn't know what they, what they do you know, they didn't know the evil which they are participating in by killing her and, you know, if, if you watch the Castlevania um, anime, we know that that's the reason why I think Dracula basically started killing all people is because his love was, was murdered. So right.
3: wait, was he actually pleading out to her in the anime as well? Or was she pleading out to him in the anime? Or was she actually pleading out to Dracula? Because they didn't show Alucard in that scene.
1: I'm hoping that they kind of, like, in in the, the next Release of that, they show him in the crowd. Like they kind of do like a, a flashback, and he's there because it makes sense. I mean, it's yeah. in canon, and it, and it it would shape him into the adversary, you know, that he is to his father. Actually, you know, they they do show him in that. Now that I think about it, because um, Dracula's about to go apeshit on humanity, and Alucard tries to stop him. Right, he does because that's yeah. not what she wants. And, he has that. Uh, there's
2: that whole like father son moment of like, what the hell are you doing?
1: Yeah, but you only know that that's Alucard if you've played Symphony of the Night. Right. Because it never say who it God, is. It's somebody can we opposing just,
2: him. Let me just turn this into a discussion on that anime. Man, my God. <laughs> my God. That fucking moment when he crawls out of the fucking tomb and it's like,
0: it's Alucard! Yeah. Oh, it's
2: so good. It's so good.
3: He's a really beloved character. Like, you know, it's not just like vampire people or anyone. It's like just in general, like the art for Alucard looks very... Uh, I hate to say it, Setzer from Final Fantasy VI.
2: Yeah. Well, so here's the thing is uh, Ayami Kojima was the the main concept artist for this title and proceeded to be for the majority of titles up until that sort of hard reboot on the uh, Xbox 360 and PlayStation uh, 3. So Kojima's artwork was highly inspired by Anne Rice and uh Brom Stoker's uh Dracula, the nineteen what is it, nineteen ninety two or nineteen ninety four, uh Francis Ford Copeland movie. Um which, which is a
1: hot piece of trash.
2: It is trash, and we will be covering it soon. But um what I like about that is that it took Dracula from being sort of the campy Universal Studios monster that he is in the older games. Um, where you have these sort of like, you know, before before the Anne Rice and before this, this Coppola film, right. Vampires were either horrible monsters like Nosferatu or they were, um, uh, the sort of campy, you know, I want to suck your blood type Oligose. people, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. Um, and I, I just really like that this. Not only did Kojima give this a very, uh, sort of signature touch as far which carried on through the Castlevania series for a very, very long time. Um, she also made Alucard and Dracula, like, these weirdly interesting characters. Because I would not like to see just, like, a another... I, by that time, by the time 1997 was rolling out, I was over, and I'm sure everyone else was over, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, big buff superhero type guys. Right? And I think that's why she was selected to do this job. Because she... Absolutely killed it. Absolutely knocked it out of the park. And I think this game also, along with... Um, what's his name? Yoshi from the Final Fantasy series. Uh, Yoshitaka Amano. Yes. Amano. Um, I
3: apologize, Amano. Uh, but a
2: lot, like between the two of them, I think they influenced video game concept art uh, and, and character design for like quite literally the next... What is this? Two decades now?
1: Yeah, I think that her her take on him he's effeminate but like strong like you know he's, he has a effeminate look but he's a super strong personality and like and he's kicking ass you know uh, he's a powerful being and that really kind of that dichotomy is what's really cool
2: yeah I mean it's, it's weird for me to feel like I can sit here and draw direct like I can draw a direct line from Spike Spiegel in Cowboy Bebop to Alucard you know what I mean And
0: mm-hmm.
2: that now so I wouldn't I wouldn't classify Spike Spiegel as androgynous at all Um, but the fact that he is not a hulking kind of person, you know what I mean? He's a force of, a force of nature, a personality, and also physically capable. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's really, really interesting to think about.
1: And and let's, let's move on and talk about like the, the other really, really good thing about this game. I mean, we we basically, we're in love with it already, but then it comes down to the soundtrack. The soundtrack to this game done by Michi... Uh, God. How do you say it?
2: Michiru Yamane.
1: There you go. but he said is... My opinion, at least. This is her best work. She, she went on to do other video game work specifically on Castlevania series. She did Aria of Sorrow um, and, and a few other games that uh, only released in Japan or had a very small following in the, in the States. But this... soundtrack... Is so good. I can't even. I mean, I'm going to be playing it throughout this episode. We normally don't do like bed music throughout an episode, but this game's soundtrack has been has received so much acclaim. Like, it is hard to describe without listening to it, and and you just hear them over and over again because when you go in different areas and you're just like, um, one of the ones I love is the cavern soundtrack. You know, um, down down. Down, 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 and it's just—it's so small, it's—it's it's subtle, but I can't—I I love it every time I go into that area. It just—I start humming it to myself over and over again.
2: Yeah, this soundtrack is out of this world to the point that, like, very rarely when you're sitting down talking about this game. Um, and, it, and it happens I mean it really does you, you will find yourself if you're a fan of this game you will find yourself at some point bringing it up and someone else across the room is going to be like yo you talking about Symphony of the Night Dog and you guys are going to have a conversation and at some point in that conversation every time the music will be coming up every time which is saying a hell of a lot because there aren't a lot of games where you're thinking about that you know what I mean like I mean your uh, God of Wars of the World for example to use something that is, is timely uh, a lot of people aren't sitting there going like, "Oh yeah, fuck the soundtrack from God of War Three, man." Let me tell you, you know, like I feel like this was a game in which either they got very lucky and hired someone who they thought was very good and thought would fit, and it just it just happened to click, um, or someone really did their research and picked the exa- like like handpicked the exact right person. I don't know the development tale behind it, but when Yamane came onto this, she crushed it,
3: absolutely destroyed it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it reminds me of like uh, like the sound that they're doing, like when the Black Mages play live. It kind of like uh, it kind of reminds me of that quite a bit. Uh, I-, I love Final Fantasy soundtrack, but like this is the one soundtrack that I can listen to from start to finish and not get bored of because there's only so many times I can hear the World Song in Final Fantasy before I'm like, all right, I'm done with the. do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. But mm-hmm. this one never gets old because it's just got that right amount of like. Uh, the right amount of oomph. It, it seems like it's a continuous Final Fantasy boss battle music where you're just like, yeah, I'm pumped for this, so let's go.
1: Yeah, yeah and, and, and each song is well fitted to the area you're in. It's almost like she looked at the, the background art and then, you know, went from there as opposed to just like them telling her a theme like it feels like she knew exactly what this place looks like you know what i mean like that's kind of it's like the it it fills the rooms out which is crazy thing to say in a 2d game or mostly 2d um because there are some slight 3d elements but nothing nothing to speak of really
2: to get very like sort of uh sort of collegiate fucking you know uh i don't know english professor on it like as much as castlevania as much as the castle itself dracula's castle is a character in this game i feel like the music 100 percent, is as well um because you could have this game and you could put in a uh you could have put in like a trance central late 90s kind of techno sort of feel behind it would not have been the same game the game itself would have felt different you could keep everything else the same the game itself would not be as good like this game one of the I mean I, I would say it's probably equally as important as a lot of other things and the sprite work and the tightness of the controls and things like that but like the music of this game is such an integral spoke on this wheel that if it were any different I don't think this game would be nearly as beloved
1: yeah I, I highly agree um, we should talk about reception just real quick. this game is it was beloved you know it was um, I believe it was game pros or PC gamer no it was, it was one of the old school publications uh, like GamePro that that's no longer out of print and it doesn't really matter made it its game of the year in 1997 which is saying something because um, this game was not printed on mass um, in that time period. It wasn't until this game became a greatest hits press on playstation one that a lot of people picked it up including myself and i think i think the rest of us are probably in the same yep
2: i had the green label dog
1: yep the green label greatest greatest hits one was was the big republication in fact it's so bad um that the pow version of this game was like i think less than fifty thousand copies were, were made or something ridiculous like that in 1997 so i wonder if that's worth anything
2: um well, this game itself is actually, I mean, when you look at games from that era, this game itself is actually worth quite a bit. Um, hey, guys, spoilers. Anyone listening to this, as, as someone who is, like, very fucking knowledgeable on this shit, I'm going to toot my own horn and tell you do not invest in video games. Do not buy video no. games with the intent of them ever being worth money because the vast majority of them aren't. And when they are these sort of, like, golden hits, uh, you know, the, the top 5% of them that increase in value you bought it for 60 bucks and you're gonna you might be able to sell it for 120 that's not a that's not a big return on your time um but what i will say is that this game ignore sealed copies ignore new it you know new inbox uh this game used is hard to find for less than 50 or 60 bucks right now today that's kind of wild to think about because look man super mario world's a damn near perfect game but i can go to any goddamn yard sale and find one for five bucks you don't just run into copies of symphony of the night You know what I mean? People don't let that game go, which is mind blowing. Because, like I said, like Super Mario World, in my mind is a perfect game. It is quite literally. It is a is not may not be the best game ever made, but it is a perfect game. I can find that shit all day, every day, five ten bucks, no problem. This game, you're looking at a minimum of twenty to just buy a disc on eBay, just the disc. You know?
0: Yeah.
2: It's crazy. So I would imagine. That being said, I would imagine the PAL version is actually probably worth some cash. I don't really, I don't collect PAL shit, so I don't really know, but.
1: Yeah, it's just worth mentioning. Um, You know, I think with the reprint and the greatest hits, that, you know, the greatest hits version is probably far more common. Um,
2: Well, it's like the Metal Gear Solid. If you have the black label, Metal Gear Gear Solid is worth quite a bit of change, too, especially if you have it sealed. It's worth a fucking crazy amount of money. But, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of these games that Konami was putting out, this was not Nintendo putting out first party Nintendo games with Mario as the character in them. These were, a lot of these were shots in the dark. Uh, So these first prints are. They tend to be worth money.
1: So in closing, I just wanted to ask you guys if there's anything else that we haven't touched on that you'd want to mention. Because there's a lot in this game, and and it's it's just worth your time.
3: Honestly, uh, I feel like if all three of us were uh, doing this call uh, without time restraints, uh, we could probably talk about the entire Castlevania series as a whole. uh, With somewhat authority uh, for a few good hours. Um, so what I want to tell you is that if you haven't played it, there are so many different outlets in which you can actually download a copy of it and play it like legally. Um, steam has it. That's, I bought a version on a steam sale i so I'm like, yep, I'm ready again. And, uh, and I'll tell you, it's worth every minute of your time. Like it's just a lot of people are like, oh, you're just being one of those retro, like, you know, nerds who loves, like, old games and shit. I'm like, no, I just, I love this game. Like, I love this game. And How, it, many,
1: how many times do you think you've beaten it?
3: Uh, at least 15 at this point. Uh, the,
1: yeah, I'm almost pushing double digits myself.
3: I always find something new when I do play through it, though. And, uh, like there's stuff you guys told me tonight I'll have to look for when I probably play through it again it's usually like around August where I decide I really want to play this but uh yeah no it's just it it never really gets old and like the gameplay is not really dated if you're into platformers like uh you know Shovel Knight and shit like that like I mean you you've played games like this your entire life and it just it's timeless it This is the one entry in Castlevania the series as a whole outside of Simon's Quest for me that is just timeless. Like I I have a retro NES retro pie thing that Tanks built me for Christmas one year and I I played Simon's Quest as soon as I could. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where Castlevania kind of gets rebooted and kicked around once in a while, but like it's never going to beat that apex at Symphony of the Night. It's the best title of the series.
1: Now Alex you may disagree because um, you like our Ar- uh, Was it uh, it's Aria... The Aria sorrow. Of sorrow. sorrow. yeah
2: I like Aria of the sorrow more than this game and that is not I don't get me wrong it's a very close tie I mean it's 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 it's, it's very close but the reason being is because I had Aria of sorrow first and that that game builds very heavily upon what Symphony of the night was. Um, and plus, I could carry it in my pocket. That was the kind of the big thing is I had I could carry it around with me and play it on my lunch at school, you know. Um, but I would say, you know, to kind of build on what Remy was saying here. If you want to play this game, there are ways to play it. Number one, uh, I will give you sort of my rundown as far as like um, you know, as someone who is into accurate emulation of games and accurate reproductions of video games, uh, the best way to play it is probably to buy yourself a PlayStation One, and buy yourself a copy of this game. Not everyone has that option. You can get the PlayStation One version of this game on modern PlayStation consoles. Uh, I would recommend you do it on a PS Vita if you're one of six people that actually owns one, um, because you can carry it around with you. Like it's a it's, this is a great game to be able to play like when you just have some downtime. Um, but you can play it on a PS3 or or whatever else. Um, the Xbox Live Arcade version is good, but you are however limited to using an Xbox controller, and we all know the D pads on those aren't the best. Um so you know bear that in mind uh, but yeah I mean as far as closing thoughts my god play the game if you haven't I mean just give it a, give it a chance um, go in blind too I wouldn't even say I mean you've heard a lot here on this episode you've made it to this point and you're finally getting this recommendation you've heard a lot but definitely go in blind don't don't watch a youtube walkthrough if you get stuck maybe look it up but like really go in there and explore because this game like the metroid games like the other half of the metroidvania genre Uh, is about exploration. It's about unlocking all of these rooms, unlocking all these places, finding all of these secrets, and that's what makes this game replayable. Uh, It's it's very important that you experience
3: it for yourself. And the one replay factor we didn't even talk about was, at the beginning you have to enter your name, and if you enter your name as Richter, you play as Richter.
1: Yep, that's true.
3: Which happens with Lament of Innocence, too, where if you put in Joachim, uh, you play as him.
1: Yeah, that we didn't talk about the codes and stuff you yeah, have the names. so if you name yourself alucard you you i think you get bumped up stats um there's the, the axe armor if you name yourself axe armor you actually uh, start the game alucard has a uh, axe armor set if you put it on you become the axe armor thrower which is limiting in your movement but it's it's kind of it's a novelty it's kind of fun Uh, And then there is a series of symbols that if you put those in in the correct order, you get 99 luck, which doesn't sound like a big deal. Um, It allows you to get items that are rare quicker, which is kind of nice. If you're looking for the chrysogram or the Muramasa or the uh, Masamune, then you can potentially get them sooner. Um, But it's just kind of for fun. And it's just it's just good it's just good to have those little things you know in games you don't really have cheat codes anymore in video games um, but this is still that era when they existed
3: for sure um, it, it was like Justin Bailey and Metroid um, yeah you answer that and you get to your suit sam sort of thing it was a lot of fun. So let me ask you: uh, Of all the antagonists and protagonists in the game, like which one's your like favorite Belmont or uh, villain?
1: Um, I really like Death. Um, I like this. I like his voice. I like the way he looks. Later on in the game, we have to fight him. I don't like the way they change the sprite. You know, it doesn't look the same. Sure. Um, but like that whole interaction they have in the beginning, I just want to know like, what has Dracula? have on death or why is death associated with Dracula like how did these two get hooked up and why are they bros like I just want to know
3: they, they really have a cooking show together uh, <laughs> cooking with Drac and Death and uh, throughout the entire series they're trying to find new ways to uh, make ghoul recipes and just rib sticking food for all those skeletons that throw boomerangs like they need it man
1: they, they just can't nail that souffle you know it keeps it's not just not puffy enough
3: you know, they ask the age-old question when they're cooking, do we want to make the souffle savory or sweet?
1: Always, always savory. You
3: know, I've never I had a savory souffle. souffle. You know, i got to tell you, though, I, I, I really like Alucard as a character, but for me, like, Simon just, to this day, is like my favorite. Though, you know, I do like the look of uh, Leon in Lament of Innocence. Uh, I haven't finished playing that one yet, but I'm pretty close at this point.
1: Uh, I haven't played any of the ones for long periods of time after this game. You know, that like the, the ones that immediately followed. But um, after hearing Alex talk about Aria of Sorrow, um, I popped onto it because I have a retro pie as well. And within five minutes of that game, I noticed two things that make it probably superior to Castlevania of the Night. And that is instead of hearts dropping for sub weapons when you, like, uh, attack candles and such, uh, it's money. And then you use your magic points, your MP, to use your sub-weapons. I really like that change. Not only that, but like um, being able to uh, capture the souls or the essence of the enemies that you come across and turn those into sub-weapons that you can swap in and out on, on a whim. I played five minutes of this game, and it was about 10.30 at night, and I'm supposed to go to bed. And I'm like, I have to put this down right now. Because if I keep playing for the, another five minutes... I found a save point. I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an adult. I'm going to put this down. <laughs> because I would play that game for another three or four hours before realizing what happened.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It is hard to play in an emulated state, though, because, um, you know, graphics get stretched out. It's, it's hard when you're thinking about uh, Game Boy Advance uh, screens being, um, I think it's like 120 or 140-something pixels or something like that. Like, it's it's bad to stretch it out super large but what's crazy is also you know the sprite work on that game kind of holds up pretty damn well too and it can stretch and it's not so bad
1: yeah i'm playing on a 55 inch tv and it's not that bad so um i hear we have some emails and some other stuff alex
2: yeah man we got a couple things that i just wanted to address because it has been a while since we've given any kind of love to the community um and i i honestly, because a lot of that um, with regards to iTunes reviews and the like, I don't get an update for that stuff. And and uh, here's a fun, fun fact for any other podcasters out there in the world. Hey, if you just go to your iTunes page uh, for your podcast, it doesn't have all of your shit. You literally have to like dig deep either in the iTunes program or on an iPhone or Apple device to find those. Um, so that being said, we have two new reviews that I would like to read here. Just to give these people a shout out and thank you. Uh, One is from Packy Knows Best. Uh, March 15th, this came out. They said, keep up the good work, guys. Love your podcast. And Alex, for the Wolfenstein 3D episode, the game where you can hold people up for their dog tags is Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, and also Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater. Thank you. I forgot that that was bothering me, but I remembered as soon as I read this, I was like, shit, that was driving me nuts that night.
3: I'm Um, always in a dream, Snake Eater.
2: Are you always in a dream, I'm Snake just Eater?
3: Still in a dream, Snake Eater. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give um, my life, how, not for honor, Alex, but for you.
2: Oh, oh my! I'm so snake honored.
3: Eater, <laughs> that's the best so video game entrance beginning song ever. Anyway, keep going. My God,
2: um, I have a second review here. Um, by the way, first one five stars. Just saying. Um, the second. Review here is from spear wielding octopus. Hey man, I don't know what led you to choose this as a handle, especially for your Apple ID, but you know what? I I'm fucking here for it. I appreciate it. Um, The subject line says these some good geeky boys. Thank you. They say rock solid intro and just a fun and entertaining way to waste time. The dialogue is both interesting and refreshing. I hope this podcast makes some waves in the podcast sphere and gets some good light, dude. Thank you. I don't know who you are. Like say, dude. That is the the gender neutral form of dude. Appreciate you. That's very good.
1: It's the Lebowski form of dude. Right, 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 right. All, now. All our dude.
2: All our dude. Um, <laughs> Now I have a bit of a, a lengthy one. Oh, boy. I'm going to read this whole ass email from my dude, Drew Hartano. Uh, here we go. Message. Hey, my dudes and occasional dudettes. Love your podcast. I like listening to it when I'm playing some dumb video games, not wearing pants, and or making weird noises or memes that nobody asked for, and unleashing them in this sphere of chaos called Earth. One of the cool things I like about your show is you don't typically bubble wrap or pander to, normie, to popular normie opinions, all while staying relatively informative and highly, 420 blaze it, entertaining. I'm reading this as an image and not text, and it's very hard to highlight things to keep my, uh, keep my place. So, they go on to say... Since I grew up lower middle class and isolated in a traveling military family, I didn't get to enjoy or become cultured in a great deal of that cool and objectively bad 90s-ness. But listening to Geek Squatch allows me to remember and to get to know some of those distant days and ancient nights, like when the bread had first been tasted at shrines in Sumer long ago. Anyway, you're all genuine OGs in my book of spells, and I hope your podcast gets the success it deserves. Keep on trucking and fucking, you wild hairy boys. Also, you're all popes now, so deal with it. And thanks to Geek Squatch, I can finally rebel against authorities. Listen, and feel free to have me on the podcast at any point if you like, or not. I'm a Sasquatch, not a cop. Sincerely, your friendly neighborhood Sasquatch wizard. P.S. Thank you for properly thrashing Metallica in the Black Album episode. This is definitely my bass player bias, but Cliff and Kirk were the only really gifted members of that group. Hetfield is okay. Okay. His guitar is professional enough for a world-touring band, but his one-tone vocals, although undeniably iconic, are easily phased out by the mind-like background noise, and it is only noticed when it stops. And who was that Lars guy you mentioned? I know I'm <laughs> rambling now, but I don't remember there being a drummer in that band. There were definitely beats, but I didn't really feel the presence of a drummer. Cliff them all.
1: Yeah, in his house, baby.
2: He says, in his house at Rillia, dead Cthulhu listens to Bathery. And that was it.
1: Oh, man. I like that guy a lot. Hell of man. an
2: email. That's my guy, Andrew. And Andrew is a fucking, he is a fucking force.
1: I I totally agree with him on all points. The end. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: it. That's all you got to say. Yep. The end. Yep. Andrew, appreciate you, man. Write in every week. Fuck it. I'll read your emails on here. I got nothing better to do. Okay. Ain't nobody paying me for this shit. Let's go.
1: And on that great email note, I think we got to get out of here, guys. Um, We're part of the Ninja Pancake Network. I don't know if you know, but um, there's other shows on there. There's a show that I was on recently. It's called Bombshell Jackets. It's a couple episodes ago now. I know. Yeah, it's about Tom Clancy's The Division. It's got Remy on it sometimes, most of the time. Yeah. No big deal. Uh, We got Loot Shoot Lane. It's about Blizzard games uh, and the GNA podcast as well. That's other stuff, too. Just go to NinjaPancake.com. You can find all of it there. Uh, thanks to Speaker Freaks for the Geek Squash theme, as always. You can find their music at SpeakerFreaks.com. They should have a new album out by now. Um, so if you're into Glitch Hop, you can check it out. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a comment and review, and we will read them on the episode like we did tonight. Uh, visit our website at GeekSquatch.com. Email us at podcast at GeekSquatch.com like Andrew did. Um, follow geeksquash on Twitter at GeekSquatchPod. And you can follow us on Twitter as well individually. Alex is at W.A. Hirsch. Uh, I am at Caleb MCC. And Remy is at Rempency.
3: R-E-M-P-A-N-C-Y. Why? Because I spell it out on every
1: show I'm on.
2: It's important. I always tell people that you can tweet me at W.A. Hirsch and fucking nobody knows how to spell my last name. So
1: I do. Yeah, the Hirsch part. I bet you they they forget about
2: the C. I get a lot of H-I-R-S-H. H-E-R-S-H. And then I get like weird Cs thrown in places they certainly shouldn't be. It's a
1: lot. Yeah. My name gets spelled with a K a lot for some reason. That's not okay. That's not okay at all. Is that a millennial? That's A-K. That's A. That's A. That's A-K. <clears throat> the uh, the other one that gets wrong is uh, Actually, the worst I've ever gotten was Somebody called me Cable, which I was kind of like I do like that character in the X-Men and, <laughs> But it's not my name Well Guys, we
2: fucking did it We did it, we did it It was the Castlevania Symphony of the Night episode And I can't believe I got to just talk about this For an hour or so It feels great I played some of it this week I played a majority of it this week uh, My god I'm going to watch Castlevania over the next couple days. I got, like I said, I got a, got a couple of days of like some some still waters for a moment. Oh yeah, I'm watching that Netflix special again. Can when I? Is it
1: coming back out?
3: I don't know. Can I invite myself Wait, on that Geeks Watch now? Is that yeah. okay? Yeah, summer this year. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah fuck definitely. yeah. Definitely. yeah.